you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by the U.S. Marine Corps. And, Bucky, we have got a loaded show today. Uh, We have a lot of intriguing things in the show. We have a state of the franchise with the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to bring in our buddy to help us fix the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) And we got a couple of nuggets when we talk about the perfect pairings for everyone. Yeah, we're looking at the perfect pairings in the AFC East today, so that's going to be a fun one. And a sit-down with one of the top wide receivers in this draft class. But uh, before we get to all that stuff, big pro day day today. We've got UCLA going. We also have North Carolina going, your old school, and a quarterback in Mitch slash Mitchell. You can go either way now. Uh, apparently. I'm, I'm glad he opened it up for us. Yeah, so we're free now. Mitch slash Mitchell, uh, big pro day for him, and, and what were you hoping to see from him today? I, th- I think the big thing for Mitch at his pro day, you wanted to see could he spin it to the level that we saw him spin it on tape, meaning you want to see the accuracy, the ball placement. You want to see him deliver the ball in rhythm on time. I wanted to make sure that his, his feet and his eyes were connected, and so this is one of the more talented, pure passes that we've seen enter the draft in some time. I think he can be a upper echelon player at the next level. You're just trying to make sure that the talent matches up with what we saw on the tape for most of the season. Yeah, look, his tape is really good. I think you can make a strong argument that just based off the tape this year, he had the best year in in terms of timing, anticipation, accuracy, all that stuff was good. Now, the concerns obviously still exist. The lack of starts that he has is going to be the number one topic there. Didn't finish off the year maybe as strong as as he would have liked. Uh, But in terms of just the physical school set, set, he has that, Buck. So when you're looking at, uh, at, at where he could land in this draft, I think you get kind of a wide range of answers. No, I mean, I think he's definitely a first-round pick. I think it's just a matter of when are you going to pull the trigger. As we get into the sweet spot, meaning the late teens, 
to the 20s, I think that's where he probably comes off the board. He is a guy that we've talked about. What about the scenario if the Washington Redskins felt like they couldn't retain Kirk Cousins? Maybe they take him and slide him in. Maybe he can be the guy of the future. We've talked about other teams like the New York Giants, the Houston Texans, the New Orleans Saints, teams that could take him because they have other guys available that would allow him to really develop into that franchise quarterback and saying all of those spots except for the Houston Texans where he probably would have to be forced onto the field right away. Yeah, I would say when I start the range of where he could go, I don't think – I think Chicago, I think that they're looking to a veteran there. In right. Atlanta, they've committed to him. I don't see him there at three. The Jets at six, to me, is kind of where it starts, where it wouldn't totally shock me. I know they bring in McCown yep. now, but I think that's kind of where the window opens up at six, and I think you look at it really kind of the early 20s. I think in that range, six to early 20s is where we'll see him come off the board. Yeah, I think you have to make the trigger, be, make the move if you want him to be your franchise quarterback. I think there are two guys that we can confidently say will probably be off the board in the first round, Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky in some kind of order. And so as you're looking at the teams that could possibly select him, I think you certainly have to be in the late teens to early 20s range to be able to pull them off the board. Yeah, and our Charlie Cashley had just recently pulled a bunch of teams, and it was pretty even in terms of whether they had Watson. Kind of surprising. Whether huh? they had uh, Trubisky there. All right, the Atlanta Falcons, a team that just came oh so close to winning a Super Bowl, Bucky, just could not finish against the New England Patriots. It's going to be a fascinating team to watch as we go to the draft and, and what they can do next year to just get that little bit over the hump. You lose you lose your coordinator there in Shanahan, but all these key pieces still in place on this football team. And I know at the Combine, you had a chance to sit down with their general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, to get a state of the franchise with the Atlanta Falcons. I've talked to coaches, I've talked to players about the Super Bowl hangover. As a front office guy, how do you deal with the Super Bowl hangover? We talked a lot about it. We talked a lot about it with Arthur Blank. So we, we, we sort of used that time to kind of vent to each other and talk to each other about everything. And it wasn't even a vent. It was just, hey, where are we going? We were all very, very encouraged about where we are and where and where we've come from as a team. And uh, we know that our arrow is pointing up, and it's a strong arrow, and that's what we believe. And Dan has a really uncanny way of relating to the millennials as well as relating to the veterans on the team, and he knows how to you know, merge them and bring them all together in a certain way. And, it's, and I think he'll do that, and I, th- I know he'll do that the way you know we're approaching everything moving forward. You did a rebuild with a veteran quarterback. How does it change when you have a veteran quarterback who is getting a big note and you have a bunch of other guys that you're trying to fill in around him? You, know, you have to be creative. And, and when you come into a partnership with a head coach who can sit down and be very open-minded about what I've experienced over the years and share with me what he's experienced and what he wants uh, from a nuanced standpoint from the team, even though he was a defensive coordinator, we both agree this is about, you know, we all go as our quarterback goes, right? And he was willing to continue to put the pieces around the quarterback and, again, continue to work with a young defense. What are the traits, three or four of the core traits that you look for when you're evaluating players? Positivity, passionate, uh, persevering football players with a lot of competitiveness, a lot of grit, a lot of urgency in their play. It's more than three, of course, or four. It's about playing with urgency. We talk about it all the time. Urgent athleticism. It's not just the good, smooth, athletic guy. It's a guy like Devontae Freeman, It's in our mind. You know, those are the guys that really embody what we're looking for, the guys that play to the whistle, snap the whistle. Matt Ryan is a great example of that. Playing with urgency, toughness, grittiness, that's what we're looking for. When teams go to the Super Bowl, everyone else looks at those teams and try and glean lessons. So for you, when you look back at the journey, what lessons will you take that kind of help you continue to have this team on the track where y'all are perennial contenders? I just love what we were doing on offense, obviously led by Matt Ryan and where we were with Julio and everything. And defensively, we had a lot of young guys. And, I, and this is another feather in Dan's cap. As a head coach who's willing to start four rookies on his defense, 
and feel confident with them and continue to prop them up and believe in them. I love that. It's one of the things I learned that you can win and you can win big with young guys. The coaches know from Dan Quinn that they're expected to coach the heck out of these guys. Even though there's going to be some ups and downs, that's a great thing. So knowing that we have a lot of young guys who are contributing and knowing that they went into the Super Bowl with a hint of naivety, and that was cool to see. Uh, great, great work there, Bucky. Just great work by you getting a chance to really see behind the curtain there with the Atlanta Falcons. One thing that stood out to me from that piece is you've got a front office and a coaching staff very much on the same page. Yeah, I think they're very much on the same page. The thing that I took away from what he talked about, uh, urgent athletes, guys that play fast, guys that are young and can run, run around and make plays, but more so the fact that the head coach understands how to deal with the millennials, as he talked about. When you make that decision to pay the quarterback and surround him with talent you have to go younger on one side of the ball so you have to do it on defense and Atlanta Falcons have been successful doing it yeah they're definitely very just this close to uh, to winning a championship we'll see if they can get over the hurdle there uh one of the things we've done in these interviews we've got a bunch of these GM interviews we're going to roll them out as we go towards the draft that's the first installment but we we've asked them for a scouting story a road story everybody has their own story we have our stories we tell them all the time I'll move the sticks but we wanted to get these general manager story and here is Thomas Dimitrov's story. I mean, I used to love getting in my van, and I, you know, I had this this Euro van, which was, you know, <laughs> so, it had its, its so it had its camper. You know, I had my propane my going, camper. and I'm making my my rice and tofu at that time. I'm now <laughs> so pescatarian. I'm not even vegan anymore. But I remember traveling around, you know, and I'd take off from Boulder, Colorado. That was where I was living, and I would start doing my. I did two loops like most people did in the West, and I'd be in that van and be traveling all over the place, and I'd run into these old scouts, and they would be pissed at me. They would basically, they would just say, look, you start doing that and our, our bosses are going to expect us not to pay $120 right. at the Marriott at that time. They're going to expect us to, to get and go to a KOA for, for $45 or $25. So, man, I look back at that and I think, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> I remember those days, though. Oh, I remember. He was yeah. legendary. We, we always labeled scouts, right? We had, we had you, you know this, there were some scouts we called the boy band scouts. Oh, the, the, the boy band. band scouts. We had the boy band scouts. Then we had the granola scouts, which yeah. Dimitrov was like the president of the granola scouts. We had Absolutely. the old angry scouts. Yes, yes, the crusty had, old veterans. We had the preppy scouts. We had yeah, them all. T- we had them all labeled. Yeah, TD traveling around in that Eurovan because we're outside <laughs> of West. It's amazing to hear him tell the story, but yeah, that. That is what he was known for, traveling around the Eurovan, making his own food, being the vegan, being kind of the artsy-fartsy guy uh, in the scouting biz. Yeah, God bless TD. All right, let's, uh, let's move on now. We're going to go perfect pairings here, Buck. We're going to try and find players here with their first two picks for everybody in the AFC East. And uh, I'll start us off here with the New York Jets. A lot of needs on this football team. Roster needs a lot of help here, Bucky. I know they brought in some help at the corner position with Morris Claiborne, but I'm going to go pick number six, Marshawn Lattimore, who I think is the most talented cornerback in this draft class. You talk about somebody with elite speed, outstanding ball skills, very fluid, smooth, athletic. I think he'd be a great fit for them with the sixth overall pick. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a talented player. The, the way that he can walk up, he can play press, he can play off, he can bail. He's instinctive, he's athletic. He is a guy that has the potential to be a lockdown corner in the National Football League for a long time. All right, we, uh, we get a corner there at the, in the first round at number six. Now we get to pick number 39. A lot of different options for them, a lot of different places they could go. I know you're looking at maybe giving the offense a little bit of a, a shot in the arm there. Buddy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about giving Cooper Cup an opportunity to be a New York Jet. I believe he's a guy that really can be the heir apparent to Eric Decker on that offense. He's an outstanding route runner, does a great job making plays over the middle of the field, and he takes his game up a notch when he plays against very competitive guys. 
I think he's someone who's going to be a very, very productive player, maybe coming in as a number three or even a number two receiver and then moving forward to become a long-term starter on the perimeter. Yeah, you look at somebody I think is you can make a strong case, the best route runner in this draft class, really understands how to set things up, uh, just instinctive, catches everything. You can play him inside, you can play him outside, a lot you can do with Cooper Cup. So we got the Jets, Marshawn Lattimore, and Cooper Cup at pick six and 39. All right, Buffalo Bills, you're up first here with the 10th overall pick. I'm going to get him a big-time wide receiver. How about Mike Williams with the 10th overall pick? And the reason I'm going with Mike Williams, I want someone that can complement Sammy Watkins on the outside. Sammy Watkins is our vertical threat. He's the guy that makes the big plays on posts, goals, uh, double moves. I need someone that can kind of do the dirty work underneath. Mike Williams is that guy. Big, physical, kind of bullies guys on the perimeter, catches the ball well over the middle of the field, and he's a red zone weapon. When you have Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback and you're building around a strong running game, you have guys that can command one-on-one coverage on the outside. I believe Watkins and Williams can get it done in Buffalo. What was that song, the 90s song? You remember uh, He's Got the Power? I think it was Snap. Oh, was that snap? Wow. It's getting, the it's getting, it's getting yeah. kind of heck. Wow. Anyways, that's the song that goes in my head when I see Mike Williams. Very, <laughs> random, very random thought there. Uh, pick number forty-four. I'm going to go to a cornerback and a guy you've been talking about for a long time in this draft process. Quincy Wilson, big physical corner. We've got a power wide receiver. Let's go get a big, powerful cornerback in Quincy Wilson who can match up with those big physical wide receivers. Get your hands on the guy at the line of scrimmage, and then when you get down the field, be able to turn, locate, and make plays on the football. Did not run as fast at the combine as maybe we all would have hoped, but I didn't really see play speed as being a big issue for him on tape, Buck. No, I don't think it's a big issue. In fact, I like this fit because they're moving to a more of a zone-based scheme. They're putting a premium on the pass rushes. They want their guys in the back end to understand. Keep the ball in front of the defense. Get your hands on receivers jamming just disrupt when they go to cover two. Quincy Wilson is built to play in that kind of scheme. I think it's a nice fit. That would be a nice selection for them at 44. All right, Miami Dolphins, we're going to focus defense here with these two picks. I'm first up, pick number 22. Let's go Jared Davis, linebacker from Florida. And to me, one of the things I like about Jared Davis is, A, you hear great things about his leadership off the field, which is important, that inside linebacker spot. But I've got somebody that can come downhill and do the old-school dirty work we used to see from the linebackers 10, 15 years ago, but then has that range, explosiveness, and athleticism to make plays sideline to sideline and match up in coverage, he would be a great fit in this defense. He'd be a great fit because he is physical. He's nasty. He has some of that dog that you like in your defensive players. I mean, he plays to the line in terms of his physicality and aggressive. I like the violent nature that he brings to the position. I think he would be a great fit for them at 22. But I'm going to ask somebody in the back end, someone who is also equally as tenacious, smart player that can kind of control the defense. How about Marcus Williams from Utah? I like that one. Look, we talk about smart, tough, instinctive, being very, very competitive in the back end. I believe he has all of those traits in space comes over the top can play comes downhill makes nice tackles he is someone who just has a knack for being able to create plays he's a good player I like him in the back end I think he'd be a nice fit as we continue to upgrade this defense and you always say you can't win with dumb safeties this kid is extremely bright he can make all the calls gonna get everybody lined up and kind of control traffic and then go make plays on the football as well I'm, I'm a big Marcus Williams fan all right the Patriots here couple picks for them at 72 and 96 pick number 72 you have them looking at a corner how about Cam Sutton Cameron Sutton from Tennessee comes over and what I like about Sutton is his versatility we had a chance to watch him in the senior ball play corner play nickel play safety you you think about Bill Belichick and what he asked his guys to do. He asked them to do a lot, play a lot of different roles, and it may change on a weekly basis. Cam Sutton is a guy that has the ability to be able to do that. I think you plug him into the secondary. He can play anywhere on the field. He goes with Eric Rowe and the rest of those guys as 
versatile players in the back end. We're going to show the pick against App State, huh? You're going to do that to me? Is that, I, is that I, really, I, guys? I didn't, I didn't, really? Call, I didn't call it to be. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that. All right, I'm going to go pick number 96. How about just a physical specimen from Villanova? Tano Passano, defensive end, Bucky. This is – this is how you want guys to look when they get off the bus. You talk about tall, long, and muscled up, athletic. He is raw, no question. But we saw at the Senior Bowl, once he figures this thing out, this could be a dominant defensive lineman. He absolutely can be a dominant defensive lineman. You think about the length that he brings to the table, how hard he plays. Still learning the game, still understanding position. I think in New England it's a great fit. His ability as one of those long defensive ends to be able to play either outside in a 4-3 scheme or even as a 5 technique, maybe in a 3-4 scheme, I think he'd be a nice fit. You know, the Patriots, we'll see. They may make some trades here. Might be picking a little bit higher than uh, pick number 72. We'll wait and see what happens there. But that's our perfect pairs for the AFC East. We'll continue to do this for for all the divisions uh, as we march towards the NFL draft. All right, Bucky, uh, we got a big problem ahead of us here. But we're, we're problem solvers here. That's right. We got the Cleveland Browns, okay? And we're going to fix the Cleveland Browns depth chart. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to each come up with a plan to fix Cleveland Browns. But okay. we have to find out which plan is the best plan. So in order to do that, we need to bring in the biggest Cleveland Browns homer at, <laughs> at NFL Network, who also does a little double duty for the MLB <laughs> Network. Chris Rose. Rose, what's going on, buddy? Rosie. I thought maybe you guys were bringing in Andrew Siciliano. Well, see, Andrew, Andrew, if you're 1A, Andrew's 1B in terms of just yeah. huge Browns fans. We also have a producer, Scott Henry, who would fall into that mix as well. Uh, but, Rosa, you're, you're on assignment. You're working hard. You've taken a little time out of this, this uh, trailer life that you're living right here to join us. So we're going to present you with some plans, and we need your vote, okay? Yeah. All right, here, here we go. I'm going to start off. We'll just kind of work with the picks that we have here. 1, 12, 33, and 52. Those are the Browns' first four picks. Okay. So I'm going to present my offensive plan here for the Cleveland Browns. Here's what I got first. I'm, I'm going to start out pick number 12. Okay, I'm going to save number one for defense. Pick number 12, I'm going to go with O.J. Howard, the tight end out of Alabama, somebody who can mm-hmm. give you that inline blocking presence, but also has the speed to get down the hash and make some things happen down the field. So I'm going to plug him in at 12. I've got Davis Webb, the quarterback. We're going to go 33 with Davis mm. Webb, who's got that big size that you need to play in that division. You've got to have a little more size than what Cody Kessler is bringing to the table. So I've got your quarterback at 33. And then at 52, I went and got you Cooper Cup, a wide receiver that you can throw into the mix who's very polished and is going to be a nice complement to what you already have with the speedster on the other side there. So, to me, I think we've got a nice little mix here for your offense, Rose. Okay. Um, Bucky, do you want to present your plan or do you want me to – Oh, I'm going to present my plan because I I want you to win it. I know you want to win a high level. It's very, very important that we bring a winner back to the land. So, on offense, at 12, I'm going to give you a true winner in Deshaun Watson. Look, no one has won more games than he has won. 32-3 and national champion, so he's going to bring that winning pedigree. At 33, I'm going to get a difference maker in the slot at tight end. How about Evan Ingram, someone that can take the top off the defense, stretch the middle of the field. I know it's cold. Those guys don't want to chase behind him, particularly down in December. So I like that. I like that. I mean, that's strong. Then on defense. Whoa, 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 whoa. I get what? to go defense first. Oh, I mean, like. Uh, so you went two and two, Rose. I went heavy on offense. We've got to fix this offense, get get things going. Now, on defense, I, I saved the best for last. I get the number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. I'm going to plug him right in to a pretty good young defensive line. Now, you got some pieces in place. Now you have a true premier blue chip player on that defensive. See, I like this. Here's the problem with you in Cleveland. Like, you're, you're not really embracing the legacy of the dog pound. When you think about the dog pound, you think about the defense – 
Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, all those yes. guys playing on this side. You have to build a defensive squad. So I'm going to take Miles Garrett and make sure we have a pass versus someone that can knock people around. They can pelt them with dog biscuits. And then I'm going to come back with Quincy Wilson later to give us a cornerback in the okay. mold of those guys on the outside. Gritty, tough, competitive. All those things. You, you, you're trying to be too too flashy. Too flashy? We're, we're gritty. We're gritty. Number we're one overall pick. We got, we got Miles Garrett. They need to score some points. Rose, this offense needs to score some points. See, but uh, help he, me out. He here. understands that even with the cardiac kids, it's still about the defense and all that other stuff. Like, Go ahead, all Rose. Right. Can I hop in here? Yes. Can I, you are the guest. Can I try and set this straight? We know what they're doing at one. That's done, sold, stamped. If a defensive end could wear 15, we'd be selling Garrett jerseys already, okay? So we got that taken care of. At 12, I like DJ's plan a little bit better than I like yours, Bucky. Um, I'm, You know, in talking with you guys and other guys at the network, I'm just scared of this quarterback class. And I think we need – we're so deficient in playmakers on both sides of the football. A guy like O.J. Howard can change that. Um, Gary Barnage – was great at catching footballs behind his head and between his legs off his shoulder pads a couple of years ago. Injury plague last year. He's over 30. He's a great dude, but we need to freshen up the talent there. And I know that you could get a guy like Ingram in the second round and probably be yeah, probably right there. Yeah, 80% of the player that Howard can be. 85, 85 to 9. <laughs> 85 to 9. Okay. So you're close there. Um, so I would, I'm okay with DJ's plan there. At 33, I'm taking the best corner available. It's that okay. simple. Uh, they got a fine last year in Jamar Taylor in that trade with, with the Dolphins where they gave up a seventh-round pick. They signed him to a three-year extension. They need Joe Hayden. He'll never be what he once was. He's had too many lower leg injuries. Um, so they need another corner that can help him out, especially in playing the quarterbacks that they have to play in that, in that division and the receivers that they have to try and defend as well. Um, and then at 52 <sighs> – Oh, God. It's a lot of anguish. This it is, is, but this is tough. the way it is. This is a lot of anguish. You know, it's tough. In po- all right, first of all, who's making these picks? Is this Sashi Brown, or can we, can we like, draft I think, a fan? I think, I think this video might be making the picks, Rose. Well, We're going to get a lot of hits on this thing. Well, right? Rosie, I just right. pulled out my trusty iPhone so I yes. could pull out my calculator because I'm okay. down with the analytics crowd. Got and it. the analytics have told me that my guys are more ready to lead – a turnaround in Cleveland in your guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just by looking at For the calculator? The calculator. Right. Right. That's what it said, huh? The, the number said. I'm nice. a quant. I'm a quant. Yeah, Rose, what I'm are we gonna... doing? What are we doing at 52, Rose? I gave you Cooper Cup. Yeah, what, that's what... not bad. I know he slipped a little bit at the combine that nobody liked that he ran a 4.74 or whatever he, he ran, ran a 4.62. Okay. You're exaggerating. Fine, I'm saying, whatever. Imagine no, how, listen, how much slow it is in cold think weather. If you need another receiver, I'd be okay with that. Um, if they want to double down on a pass rusher too in this draft, I'm good with it. You know, Greg Williams is one of those guys that runs an exotic scheme. I hear that he just needs intelligent people in order to run it. So I'm okay with that. Um, we need a safety. Our safety stink. I mean, I almost wanted to call Felix Wright and Chris Rockins and get those guys on the phone and say, come on home from the eighties. Um, they need some serious help there. I mean, I when they the problem was when they missed out on Tony Jefferson, I think it really kind of changed their draft a little bit. They offered more money than the Ravens did, and Jefferson said, "You know what? I'm going to go somewhere where they're where I, I don't play money. I don't play football for money." Wink, wink. Um, 
but you know that kind of changed, I think, a little bit what the Browns had to do draft wise. Rose, here's the deal: I'm getting pressured for you to pick a winner, but I'm calling an audible here, so I'm not. The producer's going to be mad at me. Uh, I'm calling okay. an audible. So I'm taking. I'm listening, right? That's what you got to do. You got to get this. Is our little. This is our Browns draft room. The three of us here. We're going to yes. fix the Browns together. So yes. I've I've compiled a list, a little bit of what I said, a little what Bucky said, and a little Rose magic sprinkled on top here. Okay, you ready for this? Ooh. Here's yes. what we're doing. We've come to agreement here. See if all we can right. sign. All three of us sign off on this. We're going to go Miles Garrett at number one in agreement, right? Okay, we're good on that. Yeah. We're going to go with Howard the tight end at 12, which I think we can okay, all we get can behind. Be we can be good I on like that. It. Okay, now we get to 33. We're going to go with Bucky's idea of taking a corner, which you endorsed a corner at 33. Yes. So we're going to go Quincy Wilson at 33, Bucky. Yeah, that was your cool. guy there. Okay. That's cool. So all now right. we've got our last pick, and now this is where I just need to sign off on this. Rose is saying safety, right? We need a safety. Yes. How about Bucky Josh Jones from North Carolina State? Nice. Who ran in the four fours? He can he can cover a man to man. He can be that high you. safety. Yeah, he will he knock can. you out. You talk about yeah. people throwing biscuits at players. I think he he, he would eat the biscuits. <laughs> He'd be in with that. So Rose, yeah. are you can you sign off on this plan? I I can as long as you guys are okay with him. Uh, apparently, you guys know a little bit more about him than I do. Yes, I am signing off on the theory. Listen, the Browns are set up over the next two drafts to make substantial steps as long as they don't whiff on draft picks. They can't – I mean, they've barely gotten the bat off their shoulder. I, I hate to mix my sports metaphors here. Well, you understand what I'm saying, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll guys, talk- here's the deal. If you guys strike it rich in this draft, I am going to redecorate my room so that I put pictures of you guys oh. on the beautiful paneling wall. Yes. I like that. I like okay. that. Let's go. So, by the way, let's go fix her up and get some shiplap. Let's let's turn those those that wood around. Let's make those things go laterally. Let's get some pretty shiplap going on. I have a home lot home of that. Home hey, Roser, we got to run, dude. We fixed the Cleveland That's Browns. It? You signed off on it. You 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 said we've got them fixed. We're done. I mean, if it was that simple, I wouldn't have put up with eighteen years of anguish since coming <laughs> back in the NFL. But thank you. In seven minutes, we fixed the Browns. There you go. Chris Rose put his stamp of approval. Congratulations, Bucky. We we fixed the Cleveland Browns. I sign off on this. I give it my full endorsement. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Rose. So now that we fixed them, how about we talk to one of the guys that you say would be a nice Brown? We'll throw to your uh, interview with Cooper Cup. Chance to be joined right now by one of the top receivers in the 2017 draft class, Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington. Cooper, we got a chance to uh, to see you down there in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Saw you again at the Combine, and now. We're getting towards the end of the process. Got your pro day ahead, and the draft will be here before you know it. How excited are you to put this whole thing behind you, get with the team, and just start playing football? Yeah, no, that's, I can't wait. I can't wait. That's the you go through this whole thing to get to that point. So I'm excited to finally you know where we're going to be at, what kind of team I'm going to be on, and and just be able to go out there and play ball again. Well, let's get back to the football thing here. I want in a minute. I'm going to ask you to put your scouting hat on. I'm going to throw some tape up. And we're going to let you break down some tape of some guys I know you followed and, and and kept an eye on. But I want to tell your backstory a little bit for those that are listening and watching and haven't heard it. Um, I asked you this question when we got a chance to meet uh, a month or so ago. How the heck do you end up at Eastern Washington? Yeah, so I came out of uh, school in uh, Yakima, Washington, A.C. Davis High School, and it had a pretty bad history of not having a good football Give me the years. You told me how many years it had been since they had <laughs> so a winning season. It was, it was 40 years of not having a winning oh. season. So, I mean, obviously had gone through some tough, tough times. Um, so we kind of came into a place where the school had been through stuff as well in terms of the public eye that wasn't good stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a perception of that school already. Uh, you know, as we came in there, we had a group of guys that wanted to turn that all around, the whole thing, the football side and just kind of the perception of the public uh, had of it. And so, you know, we got to go in there, and, and, and we did eventually. You know, by my last few years, we were 
<laughs> as close as you can be to not having a winning season. I think we're like six and <laughs> six and five yeah. uh, both years, six and four. Uh, but you know, it's still one of those things where you know we we were able, we're able to turn things around, and you know the perception of the school changed, and that was ultimately the main goal is creating that legacy. Um, so that was a big part of. Uh, why it went there, but I, it doesn't get recruited heavily. Not a lot of coaches, yeah, so. not a lot of college coaches rolling through there. Exactly. So that's kind of part of why I ended up at Eastern Washington, but extremely blessed to be where I was. Yeah, you got a chance to bloom where you were planted there. You get to Eastern Washington, and I've, I've got your stats here because it's it's kind of ridiculous. You have to look at it to, to make sure that it's right. Do a double take here. 428 career receptions, 6,464 yards, 73 touchdowns. Your lowest touchdown year. What happened your sophomore year? Only 16 touchdowns. I know. It's an off year for what, me. What was going it's on with you? an off year. Jeez. Uh, but to me, the 52 starts, that speaks to uh, the durability that you've had. And now, as you look forward, um, you got a chance to you know, meet with some teams and meet with some coaches. I know you're inquisitive. Like, when you ask teams and coaches what, what they like about your game and maybe an area that they say you can improve at, and then from your own personal perspective, give me the answers to both those questions. Yeah. So, I guess, first, the things I need to improve on. Um, in my mind, there's – there's no part of my game that I feel like is set. There's no part of my game that I feel like that I'm good enough in this part. Every part of my game is always under construction. Uh, so in that regard, for me, I want, I'm my biggest critic. I'll always be my biggest critic. Uh, so there's a lot I need to improve on. And some of the things that I think stood out to me, especially at the senior bowl, I had an opportunity to obviously strap up in the end of January where most guys have to wait until you know late spring to be able yeah. to do that. But I had an opportunity to kind of figure out what kind of things I want to improve on myself. Um, and I feel things like at the top of routes, when you're running a curl route against two men, and you're running, I, I, I route that should be canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've got your DBs on your inside hip and trail. Yeah, and you know you got somebody and, over the top, and, and, t- and you're coming right back down to them. You got to figure out how to create separation. So, mm-hmm. and that's why I pride myself. I'm gonna make sure, even when everything about this defense says I shouldn't be open, I'm gonna make sure I can get open. So, you know, being able to open my hips up more come right back down by stillman and be physical through the, the top of that route, it's going to give me an opportunity to be open still. Uh, so it's good, those kind of situations I want to be able to improve at. Um, and, and, I mean, that goes right back to what my strength is, is I'm, I'm going to find a way to get open. Yeah, I look at you, and we've, we've talked about it before. We talked about it on our combine coverage, too, in terms of just route running. The crispus, is crispus a word? I don't know about that. Make it happen. At App State, we could, it's a word for us. Uh, so I'm going to go crispus. I'm going to say it's a Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, you're just such a clean, crisp route runner, and the, the fact that you still want to improve in that area uh, says a lot. I want you to put your scouting hat on, though. Okay. I want to throw some Antonio Brown up here in the yep. in the screen. And I, I know you've talked about different guys you like to study and uh, and learn something from. What do you see from Antonio Brown when you yeah. watch him up here? Well, he's he understands he's a quick guy. He knows you see him at the last scrimmage. He's very quick in his releases. Come to balance is his go-to, I think. Uh, and he's able to just run through contact. And a lot of stuff you're able to see here, uh, especially those first two, is he's pulling through at contact. And that's a, something that's, as a smaller guy you see this here, hand fighting at at the top of routes, uh, and then being able to adjust on the ball. And something here, uh, I mean. He's quick. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. He knows he's quicker than guys. He's able to set guys up and, and then make plays off the ball. And those first two plays, I think, were very special in the terms of uh, he, he might not be the biggest guy, but he knows how to use his hands and get open. And when the ball's thrown his way, he's going to find a way to adjust and make the play. Yeah, one of the things we'll say, the, the biggest transition for receivers, when we get out there, when I was scouting, you get out there with teams. For what you saw in college, you get to an NFL field, just getting off the line of scrimmage is going to be a big challenge for guys. So have you been working on your releases, continually getting ready to go, a uh, variety of releases? What's your go-to? Yeah, so uh, right here, come to balance is an important one. The, the best thing about come to balance is as you as you come to balance – you know, it gives you a two-way go. Yeah. You're, you have power off of both feet, uh, and so you're able to react quicker. And there's a there's a great balance with Antonio Brown or with, with uh, come to balance that yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's not as much you're dictating, but at the same time you're having to react. You know, you, you can have an idea of what the DB is trying to take away. You're going to try to exploit that. But as soon as a snap happens, you know, that could be changing. So you got to be able to react to that the same way. Coming to balance gives you that opportunity to be explosive one way, but then be able to react, be physical through contact, and get back to your route. All right, that's great. And let's go on to uh, now. I think we've got some Jordy Nelson tape here. Get a little more size, I, I think, frame-wise. Jordy Nelson compares a little bit more to you frame-wise. What do you see when you, when you watch him here? Yeah, well – uh, I think he's a speed release guy, uh, dips his shoulder well here, um, gets his leverage running this out route. Um, he looks looks pretty solid here. You can here. see a little bit yeah, of that punt yeah. return background yeah. Yeah, there at Kansas State back in the day. Yeah, I mean, this is good here. Look at finding finding zone, seeing zone, knowing how to get open. He, he sees that Mike backer squeezing that zone. He's going to slide into that second window. Huge thing in the red zone. There's not a whole lot of space. So if you, as a receiver, if you're able to find that space, give your quarterback an opportunity to get you the ball, that's huge. Yeah, we talk about spatial awareness and mm-hmm. uh, being such a big thing when you're working on option routes, you're working in zone coverage. Something that he's done very well, something that you do really well too when you get a chance to, to watch you on tape, that that feel uh, for what you're doing there. What um, When you watch Jordy Nelson – um, I see somebody at the top of the route being able to win. He wins some 50-50 balls, wins a lot of those. Um, when you're going and watch you on tape, I see you do a lot of those same things. What's the key to you winning those 50-50 balls? It's a, it's all a mentality at that point. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how big you are or what you can do uh, in terms of how high you can jump. you got to be able to jump when there's pressure coming on, on, on your side. you got to be able to stop and jump back into people. It's a lot different than just running a, or just jumping a straight vertical. You know, it, it's, there's, a, there's this art form to being able to go up and get a ball and a lot of it starts with the mentality. When the ball's in the air, it's, it's yours as a receiver. That's your ball. And you're going to make sure the last thing that's going to happen is this DB's going to end up with it. Uh, the worst-case scenario, that ball's incomplete. Yeah. But that, when you go up for those things, those things are yours. And there's a, there's a, a, a lost art form, I think, of being able to really adjust and be able to jump and, and snag the ball at its highest point when you've got someone on you. Well, we always say, like, guys like Des Bryant be insulted if you use the term 50-50 because he thinks his chances are a little bit better than mm-hmm. even there when the ball goes up in the air. Uh, see some of the same there with you. All right, one of the, we've gone through all the interviews we've had with players this year. We've tried to get three answers for them on three questions. So I want to hit you up with those. They're the, the three H's here. So the first question is, what's the biggest hardship that you've been through in your life? Could be football-related or, or off the field. Yeah, my biggest hardship, it was a long-term thing. It was something uh, – I grew up with a certain group of friends that were all playing football. All playing, we played football, basketball, baseball together all the way through. Uh, when I was hit sixth grade, I just I just stopped growing, and all my other guys just started taking off. And uh, I was on this basketball team, and uh, travel basketball teams were all over the place. My dad would take me to them. I'm sitting on the bench, and my dad's watching <laughs> me sit on the bench. And uh, you know, everyone's slapping the backboard. I'm trying to touch the bottom of the net. And I remember my dad sat there, and I was on my way to this on on my way to practice, so two blocks away from this. Uh, from practice, and uh, he said, you know, it's going to take more from you than it is these other guys. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a certain level of heart that's going to have to um, propel you to where you want to go, and that, that stuck with me in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm, nothing's going to be given to me. I, I, I wasn't blessed with this incredible talent. I wasn't blessed with speed or size or anything like that. I'm going to have to work if I want to keep up with these guys and be able to do what I want to do. And so, you know, that was the biggest thing is going through these few years where – I was struggling just to get by on these things and just to, to even just hang out with my friends. I was like, <laughs> I, if I want to play ball with you guys, I got to I gotta make sure I'm working on my game. And so, you know, that was a tough thing for me. I learned how to work hard, uh, but it ended up being a, a huge blessing for me. All right, when did the growth spurt come? The growth spurt didn't come until probably my – sophomore junior year and then you just hit like what six seven inches one summer I did so my my freshman year I was 
I weighed in. I was 5'4", 119 pounds. Wow. So there's, I mean, that's that's the thing. I've got ankle weights on, two-pound ankle weights, so I was really about 115 pounds. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, that's just kind of my starting point in high yeah. school. And so graduating about 6'1", 178. So even then, graduating out of high school, I was still working on where I am today. Yeah, you, you had a couple more inches still to go there. All right, how about your, your greatest highlight now? Uh, athletically, uh, what would you say is your, your crowning moment there, your greatest highlight? Uh, greatest highlight? Um you know, I, I was able to play for some very good teams. Um, you know, uh, my freshman year, I got to play next to a guy named Ashton Clark. And he, he kind of took me under his wing, taught me a lot about the game. He was a senior, but I came in and kind of earned the one spot. And his reaction to that could have been he had kind of had some other guys above him for a few years. Mm-hmm. But he took me under his wing and, and didn't take any – he just wanted to win. He didn't take any – anything out on me or give me any attitude or anything like that because I had take come in as a freshman taking his spot basically mm-hmm. but he you know put his nose down he said I'm going to work hard and I'm going to take it on me and we're going to be the best duo we can be and, you know being able we I think we uh for our time set the record for uh, most yards between two receivers on the same team and uh where we go win a big sky championship as a freshman and that was just so much fun for me to be able to you know play play alongside him all right that's a good one now the final H here is uh, is easy one here who's your hero Oh, my hero is my dad. Right. Tell, my tell, dad. For those that don't know about your, your family, why don't you start with your grandfather, then get to your dad here for those yeah. who know your story. So my grandpa, he played for the Saints back in the day. He played for a few teams, but played most of his time with the Saints back in the 60s uh, with Archie Manning. Uh, and then my dad was drafted by the Giants, I believe, and, and played with the Cowboys for, I think it was only two years. Um, but, you know, so so having those bloodlines was is obviously huge. I mean, I came in, as, I, my, my love's been, pa- my passion is football, and I get to share that with my dad and my grandpa, which is a huge thing. And uh, so, you know, being able to uh, grow up with them uh, was, was just incredible. And just not even just the football settings, but the men that they are and the care they have for people um, was really something that, that, you know, I want to emulate in my life. All right. Now you're married. Last yeah. question. How has being married, how is that going to help you be a better football player? I don't know. Have you been asked that question yet? <laughs> Something along those lines. Okay. Yeah. I want to hit you with so, that one. So my wife's my biggest encourager, my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. And she knows – she was an athlete herself, a Division One athlete. So she knows the sacrifices it takes to be great and, and, and knows my goals better than anyone else does. And she knows what it's going to take to get there. And, and, you know, she's having two people working alongside each other to achieve those goals is a huge thing. And, uh, you know, I, I've got someone in my corner that's pushing me to be the best that I can be when I, even when I don't maybe want to. And I pride <laughs> myself on pushing myself as hard as I can possibly be at all yeah. times to be the best. And I got her coming alongside me to do that as well. And uh, so it's a, it's a huge blessing in my life. And uh, I'm very excited moving forward and, and, and going and striving to be the best that I can be. You can't cheat your reps when you got a wife. She's no. not going to let you cheat your reps. No, there. she's not. You're going to get them all in. Hey, that's, uh, that's Cooper Cup, one of my favorite players to watch in this draft class. Cooper, best of luck. Can't wait to see where you go and excited to watch your, your future, your NFL future unfold. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, Bucky. Well, uh, Cooper Cup, to me, I think, look, you can talk about We can debate his ceiling all we want. I think he's got an extremely high floor in this draft class. Well, absolutely, because you can buy it to the kid. You know he's going to be dedicated. You know he's going to be determined. He's going to be on the details. He's going to be disciplined about working on his craft. That's going to give him an opportunity to carve out a nice career in the National Football League. Yeah, the dude loves football. I mean, there's no question about that. Absolutely. Now, there's a little bit more to that interview as well. If you if you want to check out the entire interview, all you got to do is go to NFL.com slash MTS videos. You can check it out there or just get the audio version of the Move the Sticks podcast. We'll have 
have it all in there in its entirety there with Cooper Cup. All right, Bucky, some, some interesting news just kind of came down from our Ian Rappaport, who's reporting that Cam Newton has a partially torn rotator cuff and, and going to undergo surgery here pretty soon. This is, a, this is a pretty major development. Well, I think it's a major development. Without knowing more about the ends and the particulars of the injury, the fact that it's his throwing shoulder and he's having surgery, that probably takes him out all of the mini camps, the OTAs, and may linger into training camp and into the regular season. You're the Carolina Panthers. You have a nice backup in Derek Anderson, but does that change your draft plans in terms of maybe finding a number three quarterback that you may have to lean on? Well, just work with me on this. This is the way I'm looking at this right now. One of the things with a quarterback, you hurt your shoulder. The first thing that we think about, right, is he's throwing shoulder. This is going to impact him as a thrower. I'm looking at it saying there's no more physical runner in the NFL than Cam Newton. He's going to have to dial that way back, especially coming off of a shoulder injury in this next upcoming season. You know what would really help when you need somebody else to run the rock when oh, you hold, hold maybe, the sixth maybe, overall maybe, pick? Maybe maybe a running back? Yeah, maybe a guy down at LSU. Ooh. He's pretty physical, he, too. He might. And I think now that we say they discovered this in week 14, it begins to kind of connect the dots. Ron Rivera and his staff had talked about changing and becoming more of a traditional offense, putting Cam under center, doing some of the things where they take uh, some of the responsibility away from him as a runner off his shoulders. Now we begin to understand why that may have been a big initiative in the offseason. Yeah, look, it's uh, that's going to be a challenge there for the Carolina Panthers moving forward. But I do think you get Leonard Fournette, put him back there. You can keep your physical identity as a football team. You just don't ask your quarterback to do that. Well, I mean, I think it, cha- it changes that. Obviously, you want to be more physical. It also changed the way they approach their red zone. You talk about a guy who's been maybe oh, the yeah. most prolific quarterback when it comes to rushing touchdowns in NFL history. Now you want to take all of that off his plate. Let somebody else try to find a way to get into the goal line. All right, Bucky, we got busy today. We got a lot of a lot, a lot of, things, of stuff. A lot of things we accomplished on today's episode here. We've got uh, plenty more to come. We're talking about our audio podcast. You guys can check that out on iTunes as well as NFL.com slash podcast. We're on path to the draft Monday through Friday. You got that. 6 Eastern. You can check us out on there. We'll keep these video shows, uh, crank, keep cranking these things out as well. So lots of Move the Sticks content going to continue to come your way. Again, Move the Sticks presented by the U.S. Marine Corps. Thank you guys for checking us out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.